Our gospel for this Sunday is, of course, from St. Mark. It's the 10th chapter as the Lord is approaching Jerusalem. And so when we read, I'm going to read it to you again, but comment as I go this time. Now when they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, Jesus going before them, they were amazed. I'm not exactly sure what the amazement was about, but I can only guess that they were amazed because they knew that to go there was very dangerous. They knew that there were those who sought to to eliminate our Lord. And so for the Lord to set out very purposely to go there probably took them a little aback. We know in other parts of the scriptures, one of them will say, uh, well, if he's going up there, we might as well go with him and die with him. So there was this sense of foreboding for them. And as they followed, they were afraid. Then he took the twelve aside and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. So the Lord actually previews for them everything that's about to take place. His passion and his resurrection. He tells them beforehand. He prophesies in the truest sense. He tells what is true, and in this case, he tells it before it even happens. Because for God... Everything is now, and he sees everything, and God anticipates. That doesn't mean that there's not pain and agony in his human nature and all of that, and anticipation of all of that. Yes, there is, but nevertheless, he prophesies for them. And he says to them exactly what we're about to go through in the next two weeks. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed. He will be betrayed. Brothers and sisters, just to remind you, we fast on Wednesdays. Some people wonder, why in the world do you fast on a Wednesday? We fast on Wednesdays for one reason, so that we might not become betrayers. Because it was on Wednesday that Judas betrayed our Lord. And so to remind ourselves not to be betrayers, we fast on that day. The Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death with really no no evidence other than trumped up testimony and the desire that they want to, in fact, execute him. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him. They will scourge him. We know that takes place. And they will spit on him. We know that takes place. And they will kill him And we see that even in our icon as the Lord himself is executed in the most horrific way. And the third day he will rise again. Now, I don't know if they heard that real well. Maybe they did. But I'm sure after they anticipated something like what he had already said to them, and he says, he will rise again. I'm not sure they knew exactly what that was. Because we know even afterwards that even the resurrection for them was difficult. And then our own patron John with his older brother James speak up. And then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What a bold request. Whatever we ask. Now, they were of the twelve. And whatever they were going to ask probably had some merit to it. And the Lord knew that. Before I get to that, though, I want to comment one more thing about what I just talked about. You know the reason the Lord previewed for them? Because 
everything that was about to take place. He previews that. He tells them that. He forewarns them that so that when it happens, they will not be surprised and they will know even more in depth who he is. They will know that he is the son of God. Even as they ask questions afterwards, but they will remember that he told them beforehand because brothers and sisters, the church is committed to them. The church is the church of the 12 apostles. The church testimonies that the Lord gave to them, they in fact give to the world as we see in this icon over here. The 12 bring to the world the testimony of the truth. And he wants to make sure they know that. Back to James and John. Teacher, give us whatever we want. (laughs) Whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? I wouldn't have said that. (laughs) I would have said, I don't know about that. (laughs) What do you want me to do for you? Grant us that we might sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. I... It's hard for us to speak for one of the 12 or to sort of speculate. We can speculate, I guess. It's a little dangerous. And so with danger, I stand here before you. I don't know if they knew what they were asking. And actually, I think from what comes from the Lord's questions to them, he knew they didn't really know what they were asking. Some commentators say that there was a sense in which they anticipated that he would die, but he would be installed as the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the king of glory in, on earth beforehand and that somehow they might be next to him. It probably and, and was as much as anything a righteous and an innocent request to be near him. And I like that. However, the Lord reveals to them that there's much more to be said about what they're asking. You do not know what you ask. You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Because he's about to be baptized in his own blood, as it were. He's about to take the cup of death. We are able, Jesus said. You will indeed drink the cup that I drink. You will taste death. James himself becomes a martyr. John, the only one of the 12 who doesn't. However, John experiences great persecution in his life afterwards to die a peaceful death. But until he gets to that point, he certainly struggles. And with the baptism I am baptized, you will be baptized. He gives them something to be confident about. But to sit on my right hand and my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. And brothers and sisters, those whom it is prepared for are those who have drawn the closest to God. Every one of you and me and everyone from the beginning of the ages is given this opportunity to draw near to God and to, to, and to do whatever we need to do to be close to him. And whoever has, has allowed God to fill him the most will be that person who's closest to him. It's not something that the, the, the Lord himself is just going to bestow It's something that we enter into and let God fill us. That's what Christ is saying. And we know a few who are very close. We don't know how close they are. We know that Simeon actually is very close to God. We know that. That's another story for another day. But there are those, and we know the cherubim, the seraphim, stand around him, near him, shouting, holy, 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 all the time. 
But it's, it's in our ballpark, so to speak, to decide whether or not we're close to him or further away. Then the ten heard it. <laughs> and they began greatly to be displeased with James and John. Who are you? Who are you to want to get above us? They were humans. <laughs> we're all humans. Even though they were the twelve, they were human beings. And they were a little bit jealous that they had asked the question first. They kind of wished, wait me, I should have asked that first. And Jesus calls them to himself and he says, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. And he doesn't mean exercise it nicely. That's not what he's referring to. Yet it shall not be among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And Christ himself is called the suffering servant. And this may seem a little bit of a stretch, but I want to say to you that we have the one remembered today is probably one of the greatest of servants, and that is Mary of Egypt. And most of you know her life. You know some of it. And if, you, if you've read her life and you know about it, you know that she didn't, not, she didn't necessarily go serve the poor food. She didn't build houses for people. She didn't teach a lot. In fact, she spent 47 years by herself. How in the world is she a servant? There are two ways. One, she drew near to God herself so that her prayers gave the second thing. When she prays for us, they're very powerful. And brothers and sisters, she is our servant and she prays for you when you beg her intercessions. And she prays powerfully for you. She is a great servant because she's drawn near to God and she loves God and she loves others. What's the first, one of the first things she asks Zosima when he comes to us? How are things in the monastery? How is the church in the world? She wants to know because she cares, because she loves, because drawing near to God gives her love for the world. She is a great servant. So you have lots of opportunities to serve. You have opportunities to serve in the next two weeks to serve your church. You have opportunities to serve the poor. You have opportunities to serve those who aren't poor, who just need help. The greatest way you can serve is to work out your own salvation in fear and trembling because in so doing, you serve the world and bring light to the world. And your prayers become even more effective for those you pray for. May we all be, learn to be servants like Mary and like the Lord gives to us today, like he did. He comes in as the king of heaven and earth in a week from today, we'll celebrate that. He comes in on the triumphal day of his entry into Jerusalem, but he comes in in the most humble of ways, on a donkey, without a great retinue other than people who just love him and shout for him. No plan, no band, no speeches, just love and power and humility. May we be that kind of servant. May we be the servant that the Lord speaks of today. May he watch over and guide us and take us through these next two weeks in the most powerful way for our souls, not just to do these things, not just to remember them, but to make them our own, to love the world and to love God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to one God.